Breakfast and Bible. Amen. Bible and sword. Hey, this is really good. Breakfast, Bible, and lunch. My. Baptist to the core. We Baptists are not. All right. All right, so we're going to start a series of lessons today. Uh, and I'm try, I try to be, what I want to do is on, on Sunday mornings is be more practical in our teaching and try to be doctrinal on Wednesday nights. That's what I, I hope uh, to do. And so, uh, but today we're going to look at some practical things. In this series, I'm just calling it Christian Duties, Christian Duties. And uh, I think this is important for us to understand, you know, what the Lord wants from us while we're on this earth serving Him. And so we can become better at it. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. These are very interesting verses that we're looking at. And, uh, but let's look at this together. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful for me. I've always thought, what an amazing statement. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no so he's saying... If it's not expedient and it's not edifying, you probably ought not be doing it. Right? That's what he's saying. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. We'll come back to that someday here in a couple of weeks, but that, that particular phrase. Whatsoever is sold into shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any man, I'm excuse me, if any of them that believe not, Bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go. Does that word disposed mean you wanted to go or you were forced to go? <laughs> Whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrificed unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we see that twice. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And this is found, I think this is uh, Psalm 24. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? So we'll stop right there. What I'm going to speak on here, I only have just about 25 minutes when consciences collide, okay, when our conscience collides with other people's consciences, how do we deal with this, all right? And how do we scripturally walk? Let's pray. Father, I ask that you bless this now. This is our second prayer today. Help us to make a, a, a very attentive effort to learn from this. Make us better Christians for thee. We pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Christianity is very liberating. Contrary to what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks Christianity is oppressive and law and legalistic. No, it's very liberating. We know this to be ca the case to be true. You know, I, I, I find it, though, comical that people look at liberation and liberty as a freedom to live free and the freedom to live in sin. And I don't see how they find that within the Bible. I had a fellow tell me one time, he, he, he said, you know, you're one of those old Baptists, you're just one of those Baptists, aren't you? And I said, well, yes, I am. He said, I, 
You know what I am? I'm a liberated Baptist. I said, okay, what, what does that mean? He said, I'm an Episcopalian now. He said, I can drink, dance, and shuffle, and do everything I want. I can gamble and everything. I'm liberated. I said, well, you might be liberated from the Baptist if you think that, but you're surely not liberated from sin. You don't have it right. And so what I want to do is reason with you today. The real freedom that we have when, when I say Christianity is liberating is that Christ has freed us from the law of sin and death. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? That's the true freedom. We're, there's, not a one, there's not one thing a Christian can do that will kill you and put you in hell. You're, you're, under, you're not under bondage. You're not under the law. You're under grace. You're saved. You're in Christ. So there's a freedom that comes with being saved that you can't have anywhere else. Oh, those who are trying to live free, and the Bible calls it lasciviousness, they're not free. They're, they're bound to sin. Turn to Keep your finger on this one and turn to Romans 6. And uh, I think we can learn some things. I, I have, and I've, I've always tried to live these truths, but I, uh, I obviously need to get better at it. And don't we all, it's called perfect, it's perfection. Being perfect is his perfect. Growing and getting better. All right, so we're in Romans 6. And look what he says in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. You see that? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey his servants ye are? to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So basically what he's saying is if you're still living in a sinful lifestyle freely, then you're still under the law of sin and death. You didn't get freed. Because who you serve proves you're, if you're liberated to them or not or bound. So in verse 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you or delivered you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So here we're, here's our freedom. God has freed us. You're no longer bound in chains. You can, you can live freely for God. You can please Him. You can serve Him. You can enjoy the Christian life. You can enjoy the abundant life that Jesus said, I'll bring to you. Freed from sin, freed to righteousness. Liberty. Galatians 5.1, stand fast in the, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And what? Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back. You are free in Christ. And there's a freedom of righteousness. So that's why he said, you can go back to 1 Corinthians 10. That's why he said, all things are lawful for me. I'm freed. I'm freed. Now, I will get to some things here in a minute and ask you some questions. What does this mean? All things are lawful for me. Does that mean everything you want to do is lawful now because Christ has made you free? Is that possible? Okay. Can you go be a Satanist right now and drink blood? And you're, you have the right. You're, it's lawful. Can you do that? Can you, can you be a kidnapper and hold people for ransom for money or sell them on the black market? Can you extort people for money? 
It's lawful. No, it's not. All things are lawful for me. Uh, is murder okay now since all things are lawful? Isn't that insane? Isn't that, isn't that foolish to even think these things? So we find not everything is lawful. Not everything is. Any, this is it. Anything that is allowed and not forbidden in the perfect law of liberty is lawful for you. Okay? I'll say it again. Anything that is not allowed or not forbidden, excuse me, allowed or not forbidden, by the perfect law of liberty. You can look this up later. James 2.12 says, So speak ye and so do ye, as they that shall be judged by the perfect law of liberty. Not the binding oppressive law that holds you down and won't let you live. No, it's the law that lifts you up and gives you life. And it gives you freedom. It's called the law of liberty. Okay. Is stealing still wrong? Hey, all things are lawful for me. Is lying still wrong? Anything not forbidden in the word of God is wrong. Okay, is chewing gum wrong? Huh? Is, wait a minute, is blowing bubbles in church Possibly wrong is when the flavor runs out, you stick it under the seat. <laughs> Chewing gum's not wrong at all, is it? It's actually a lot of good. You know, I I I don't like those. Uh, what are they called? Crybaby gums. You ever had one of those? Those super tart, sour, powered gums. You know, hey, it's not a sin to eat that but you shouldn't be popping bubbles. You know, I haven't heard this in a while. Women used to be so good at popping their gum. Men couldn't do it. It was a, it was a, it was a special blessing to women and a curse to men. Pop, pop, pop. They could pop that gun. like You'd sound like a popcorn machine popping, right? Nothing wrong with that, but uh, maybe in the wrong place. It may not be right. It's not edifying. Right? So when you come to Christ, you get a conscience that is purged. Our conscience is purged. The Bible says so. God even cleanses your very conscience so that you can get, uh, put away the dead things of the world and serve God. And you're not held down by the foolish things you did in the past. You know all the regrets of the past? God gets rid of those when you come into Christ. And all the defilement is gone, and we have a clean conscience now. And all things are lawful. We have liberty. We have a conscience. But everyone has a conscience. Okay, so in verse 25, this is real interesting. If you were thinking about what this was saying, whatsoever sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, basically that'd be like at the uh, farmer's market. You go down to the farmer's market and you want to buy you some fresh food, you don't know who made, who grew that food. You don't know who uh, picked the fruit. Might have been a Satanist. I'll be going back to that. Might have been, you know, they might have 
presented it to a false god before they sold it. They might have put it before a false god and prayed over it so it'd bring more food, more money at the market. The shambles is the grocery store, basically. Whatever's sold in the shambles. You know, if you, if you went through the produce section at H-E-B, you'd go, all right, which wicked place did this come from? Probably California. They feed the world. What was the who who did it? What was his religion that owned the property? And the guy that ran the tractor. And you know, what were these people? Who picked these grapes that I'm about to eat? Right? Who trucked them over here or flew them over here? Who set them out on the shelf and sprayed that wax on there so it looks better? You know, you, you could go all the way. Somebody probably had some evil dealings in doing some of this, and I can't eat it. But, you know, the Bible says all things are lawful. Hey, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. That's God's food. doesn't matter if they, if they, if they uh, offered it to Bill before they brought it to the grocery store. Or it doesn't matter if, they, or if it was in an, in an idol uh, in a uh, good morning. Good morning. It was, uh, you know, so we have to understand this is what he's basically saying. When you go to the grocery store or you go to the open air market or you go to a restaurant, don't be asking a bunch of questions about where it came from because you might hear some bad news and you may not be able to eat it. Because if you hear that a Satanist prepared it, that, then that, the person who told you knows that, you, that the Satanist prepared it. Now you know that the Satanist prepared it. And other people around are watching and knows that the Satanist prepared it. Guess what? For conscience sake, you can't eat it. You shouldn't. It's not lawful now. But if you hadn't asked, you didn't know. So that's why it says, ask no question for conscience sake. It's God's food. I don't care who they offered it to didn't change the uh, the components of the fruit or the vegetable or any of it. Is it grass-fed? <laughs> That's the big thing nowadays. So, so back then, many grocers would go and offer their food to idols and then go sell it because it, they thought it'd bring better money. All right? So the Christian, this really means nothing. I'm eating the food that God gave me from the earth. So to the pure, like it says in Titus 1, to the pure, all things are pure. All things are pure here. It's God's food. It's not the idols. Why? Earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when you buy food, don't ask. I'll just say, just purchase. Hey, there's nothing wrong with saying, is this gluten-free? If it is, I'm not eating it. No, I'm joking. Is this organic? If they say no, then what happens? Is it heavy MSG? Then you're going, man, why'd you ask? No, I'm joking. I'm joking about that. What does it say, though? Not for, it's for conscience sake. Now, mainly, it's for their conscience sake, not yours. We know the truth. We know all things that are the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the earth. We know these things. We don't worry too much about these. But if there's people watching you, then you may have a problem. That's why I call this when consciences collide. All right? 
When my conscience collides with yours, or, or vice versa, or someone else's that is without, what happens? You could say, hey, all things are lawful for me. I can do this if I want to. And I guess you can. Right? I like this. They say, I can get away with that. I don't think that's the best way of uh, approaching a situation. Hey, I think I can get away with this. There's more to it than that. There's a higher quality of living. God doesn't mind. He, he might not. I can eat anything I want. I can speak my mind. I can say what I feel like saying. Hey, I can purchase whatever I want to buy. All these things are true. They're lawful. You're not going to be judged accordingly. And uh, like, why? You are delivered from the law of sin and death. Okay, I can go wherever God lets me go. Well, you know what? God will let you go a lot of places if you just get in the car and go. I have liberty. But do you really? That's, this, is the whole, this, is so, this is what I'm trying to say here today. Do you really have liberty? Now, Paul loved meat. He said it in Romans 14, and he said it here. I love to eat meat, but he said, if my meat eating bothers uh, vegetarians, I'll eat no meat while the, while the earth abideth. I'll just quit eating meat if it's going to hurt other people around me. For conscience sake, because earlier in chapter 9, he says, I'm trying to win these people to Christ here. I'm going to offend them over my triple belt buster. No, I'm joking. Man, I saw a picture of one of those the other day. I said, you had to do more than bust a belt. <laughs> anyway, okay. There's three things to consider here. We're trying to consider properly. Because these things, you know, these are what we call the gray areas of life, all right? My conscience, I have to consider my conscience. I cannot defile my conscience. You cannot defile your conscience. It's a gift of God to keep you in the right, all right? This came from God alone. It's a gift. We, we look at it. Boy, my conscience is getting me again. You better thank God for that. Because if you had a seared conscience... You're in big trouble because it means you'll have no feeling whatsoever and you won't get, you know, you won't feel under conviction about anything. So number one, you have to consider your conscience. Number two, you have to consider other people's conscience. Number three, you have to consider Christ. What would God have? What would God have me do in this situation? But I look at it as you prioritize it this particular way. Christ always comes first. You always think of what God would want first. Good morning. All right. Look at verse 31. See, so you have to look at it from priority. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, what? Do it all to the glory of God. He comes first. 
So you go back to all those things I said. I can go where I want. I can say what I want. I can eat what I want. I can do what I want. I can. I, I have liberty. First of all, you have to say, I have to do it to the glory of God first. That's top priority. All glory to God. All right, so what comes next? Others. Others. Look at verse 32. Look what he says. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. I must next, first I consider Christ. Will this bring glory to him? Secondly, will this offend others? Or will it edify and be expedient toward others? That's the big question. Will this help people or will it hurt people? A good Christian will think on these things. All right, and consider this. This is called Christianity. And then lastly, you consider yourself, your conscience. Look at verse 33. Even as I please all men in all things, mm, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So I'm last on the list. All right? So Christ first, others second, myself last. Christ always gets first consideration. And what do we say here? What does this word teach? What is his will for me at this time? Always. God's consideration. Secondly, others get the second consideration. I cannot cause another person to stumble because I have liberty to do whatever I think I ought to do. I cannot hurt another person to please myself, basically is what he's saying. I have certain liberties. Guess what does that mean then? I am not free to do what I choose. I am not my own man. I must consider others, and I must live with other people's conscience in mind, just myself. They get preference. Now, then lastly, I consider myself last. So if you, you know, the, remember the old days, the old what would Jesus do thing? I never really liked it. That's a great thing to say. What would Jesus do? What would, but more than that, we're not trying to do what he would do. We're trying to do what he would have us to do. What would God want me to do? What would the Lord, what would bring the most glory to God? Then... I think of others next and then myself last. That's that anagram joy, right? Jesus first, others second, myself last. I bring, it brings me great joy. Look over at chapter 8. Got a couple of minutes here. We're going to come back to some of these things next week. For chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. And look what he says here in verse 8. But meat commendeth us not to God, now, meat in the Bible does not necessarily have to be a beef steak. It could be wheat. It could be corn. Anything you're putting in your mouth is meat, really. All right? So he's, he's saying, what you eat does not make you a better Christian. What you don't eat does not mean you're going to become a better Christian. Meat commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we the better Neither if we eat not are we the worst. Jesus said, not that which entereth into the mouth defileth the man. It'll, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. What you put in your mouth is if it's lawful. If it's lawful, 
will not defile the man. It's what comes out of your heart defiles the man. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15. You have to worry about what comes out of your heart, not what's going into your body. That doesn't mean you get to abuse your body with liberties to do and eat and drink anything you want. It has to be lawful. It has to be what God wants first. So what he, if you look at verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. You know, the mills, I think we put a lot of emphasis, on, too much emphasis on food anyways. We do. There's greater, thing, greater riches than food, even though food's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to lunch already. But there's more important things to do than eat. Look at verse 10. For if any man see thee which has knowledge. So we know. We know that all things are from God. I know this. If, he sees it, if they see you sit at meat in the idol's temple. Uh oh. They're seeing you in the wrong place. In their mind. And what are you doing in the idol's temple anyway? Alright. But. Shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. See what he's saying? If they see you acting in a certain way, they're going to be emboldened to follow that. And we also know what the follower always does. They always go a little further than the leader. They, that's why they always take it a little further. That's why children always take it a step further than what they saw mom and dad doing. Right? They're watching us. They are seeing us. And if they see us doing questionable things, what's the result? They're going to be emboldened to, do, to, to violate their own conscience. Now look at verse 11. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. We know a lot of things. And basically what he's saying, I'm so arrived in Christianity that I know none of these things are going to destroy me. They might destroy someone else. They might do, okay, we, we must finish. I, I, I'll finish this up next week. I, I want you to know, I'm really trying to help you understand to take it to another level. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Paul's saying, I'll never have barbecue brisket again. If it'll hurt them that bad, boy, I hope not. I hope not. Boy, if they hate brisket, they're really weak. Man, says don't hurt your weak brother. All right, so what we'll do, though, is we'll come in next week, and we're going to talk about, if Lord willing, we're going to talk about, uh, put this into practicality, how this is actually going to work between me and other people. And, and let me say this, God's not telling you to make them do you right. You can't do that. You can't make other people do what you want them to do. This is all you and your behavior towards others under the sight of God. And it'll work out for the glory of God first. And life gets better. This type of lifestyle is much better than just freedom to do whatever I want doesn't matter who gets hurt you know some people they, they'll talk and say whatever they want they don't care if it hurts another person's feelings they don't understand this principle at all we're going to try to learn it alright we're going to have a, a break we appreciate everybody being here today we'll have a short break and uh, 
We'll be back in just a few minutes. Father in heaven, I ask that you'd bless the study of thy word. You put two chapters in your word, actually three, with Romans 14 about this. So help us to take it as seriously as you do. So it'll be a higher quality of life following our God. We ask for grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.